Hello, and welcome to the EKU School of Business 5Q series. I'm Mike Hawksley, and I'll be your host for today. In this 5Q podcast series, we have a chance to get to know our colleagues, our students, our graduates, and all of our friends of EKU Business. We have a chance to hear from people who believe in EKU, from people who have a dream and find a way to realize that dream, and to hear from seasoned business professionals. And with this opportunity, we want to engage our students and our future students and all of our stakeholders to give some insight on what goes on behind the scenes inside the School of Business. We want these interviews to act as an oral history, describing what went on in years past, what we're working on today, and what we hope for the future. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Eastern Kentucky University School of Business, housed in the beautiful Business and Technology Center on EKU's main Richmond campus, the EKU School of Business, graduating the most coveted business students in the region. Our undergraduate and graduate degree programs have produced global leaders and innovators. Are you the next great business leader? It's a great day to be a colonel, a business colonel. Thanks, Allison. It is indeed a good day to be a colonel. And now, before we start, a salute to those that serve in the past, present, and future. Colonel's orders. Fire the cannon. And now, let's get on with our five cues. Today, we're getting to know one of our faculty members in the School of Business. We're here today with Mr. Ross Lingenfelder. Hi, Ross. Hi, Mike. Ross teaches in the PGM program, specializing in player development and recruiting. We'd like to get to know you a little better, and to that end, I'd like to ask you five questions. First, we'd like to know a little about your background. Where did you grow up, and where did you go to school? Yes, I grew up in a town called Perrysburg, Ohio. It's in the northwest part of the state near Toledo and lived there for my first 18 years. Then I went to school at a place called Methodist College, uh, which is now named Methodist University. It's in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then after college, I, I moved back home to Perrysburg. Very good. Second question, how did you come to choose your area of study? What attracted you to it? When I was probably about 15 or 16 in high school, I, I really caught the golf bug. I played a lot of other sports growing up, but uh, when I got into my early teens, I was introduced to the game and fell in love with golf. When you go through high school and you figure out, well, what are you going to make your career be? I found out about this program called PGA Golf Management and did a lot of research, did a lot of studying about it and found that you can go to school, you can earn a business degree and your PGA membership. So I thought it was really a, an ideal program for me to tie business and golf into one. So I know I get paid to come to work and do what I love doing, but it turns out I'm not the only one. You mean you get paid to do something you really enjoy? Exactly. I've never worked a day in my life. And does it get any better than that? Doesn't get any better than that. We have to fight about who's having more fun with their job this that's, year. That's right. Third question. What interesting research or projects are you currently working on? I'm currently working on my PGA certification in player development and teaching and coaching. So this is a, uh, this is a certification through the PGA of America in which it specializes in four different areas. And I've chosen player development and teaching and coaching because it directly relates to the, uh, the job I have here at EKU. Well, Ross, it sounds like your research is keeping you quite busy. Fourth question. In the future, what changes do you anticipate for your discipline? I think for our area and uh, PJ Golf Management, I think it's really going to come down to the students that we are recruiting and retaining here at EKU. 
we're very fortunate right now to have 100% job placement for all of our graduates through our program. And I think I think we need to continue the relationships that we have with these golf professionals around the country to continue that trend. Good. Question number five, what does it take for a new graduate to be successful in your field of study? I think for a new graduate to be successful in our area, one, they have to have a personality. They have to be able to talk to people. We are in the entertainment business in a way. And I think to be able to hold a conversation with someone And obviously, we want them to have a fun, enjoyable experience at the golf course or or at your place of business. So I think personality, having uh, being enjoyable as far as to be around and hopefully play some golf. (laughs) That's always a great thing. Any day's got golf and it's going to be a good day. That's right. Well, Ross, thanks for being here. We appreciate you spending this time with us. Thanks, Mike. Okay, listeners, this ends our official 5Q episode. If you want to hang on past this point, Ross and I are going to hang out and keep chatting. Here comes the extended cue session. I've got this other question for you. You're married, right? Correct. And you have six children? One. One so far. One so far. One so far. Yeah. Tell me about that child. Yes, uh, my wife and I, we have, uh, we have one son. Uh, his name is Jack. He is two and a half years old. Swing the club yet? He, ha- he does have his own set of clubs. So of course he does. Um, uh, grandma and grandpa got him a nice little set for a second what's, birthday. What's the strong part of his game? Is he a long ball hitter or does he putt better? Ooh, he likes the long ball. He takes a good whack at it's it. It's a monster. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the go-getter attitude yeah. you need in a golfer. Yeah, No broken windows yet around is, the house. Is your so. wife a golfer? My wife is not a golfer, actually. So so uh, what's it take for you to get four hours all in a row to go out and play around a golf? Is, how's your and, wife feel about you being away for a block of time? And, and that's a great question, and I think golfers know that you don't necessarily have to play all at once, four hours. So uh, instead of me playing 18 holes after work or on the weekends, sometimes I might just have time for nine holes, which might be an hour and a half or two hours, and that's more manageable. But I'm also an early riser, so sometimes I'm, I tee off at 8 and I'm home by 10, 10.30, and it, it works, out, works out quite well. That's good. <laughs> me personally, I, 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 don't, I don't really enjoy practicing. I would much rather put the bag on my shoulder and go out and play the game. But I know I'm not going to get any better. It's that directed practice thing that, you know, if you're playing once a week, that's just maintenance. You're not going to get any better. You're just going to stay where you are. And if you're out there practicing on the driving range, you're not going to get any better unless you're hitting three or four or five buckets of balls with purpose. So what kind of practice time do you find in your schedule to hit the driving range? Well, with a little one, it's tough. It's tougher. It, yeah. it is. It's more difficult. But I usually try to carve out maybe one or two days during the week where I can, even if it's only thirty to forty-five minutes. But it's um, you, like you said, it's focused and right. able to just kind of put work to the side and just say, "All right, I'm going to go out to the golf course. I'm going to work on something that uh, that I want to work on." And you just got to really plan and, and make time for it. When you have a limited schedule, a short block of time that you can put towards that practice, you really want to have a focus. You want to have a goal. So you're self-taught. You don't have a, I guess you don't have a swing coach. You're your own swing coach. Am I right about that? You are right. Do you go into the uh, swing lab and do you record your own swing and measure the angles and work the numbers? I do. It's it's not quite that often, but I'll I'll, I'll get on video and see what's going on. I think uh, you might be able to see it on the screen differently than you feel it in your own self while you're swinging. Exactly. I don't have that external source where I can get that information from like a coach, right? but I can 
get it on video just as easy and, and kind of dissect it and, and really see what's going on and don't have to pay for that golf lesson. Yeah, and with limited practice time, you, you really need to be – you need every minute to be effective time. So I've always thought that for a new golfer, someone coming into the golf game, that breaking 100 is a big deal. That when you can finally break 100, it, it feels like it's a, a huge success. Uh, once you've been golfing, you might look back at that and say 100, well, that, you know, that's, that's nothing. <laughs> but no, to that person, to that individual in that moment, that's huge. Breaking 100. Yeah, exactly. It, it is a milestone. The, uh, the national average of all golfers out there is around 100, believe it or not, for 18 holes. So when you're shooting, even if you're shooting 90 or 95, you're still beating the national average there for most golfers. And then we always, you know, as golfers have kind of those milestones, breaking 100 for the first time, breaking yeah. 90, breaking 80. And then I think those are big ones. They are. And, uh, yeah. So those, those numbers, the, the 100, the 90, the 80, and personal best, whatever that number is, I think all of those are worthy of a free round of beer. And, and Absolutely. And I think that's just something that ought to happen. So the, uh, my, my personal game, I've been able to break 80 a few times, but I recognize myself, you know, there's probably some swing mechanics and there's some, some more practice time involved, but I see my personal weakness is mental that I've, you know, it's four hours of concentration and, and I can do it for nine, you know, for nine holes, but then I find myself, my, my mind's just loses focus and you lose it for a couple, two or three holes and you don't get it back again. You just continue not to play bad golf, but not to play the, the kind of golf that's going to get you into the mid seventies. It's a tough one. That that's a big barrier for me is consistently breaking 80. That's a huge barrier. It is, but it's a fun game. So what else do you find yourself doing besides, I know with a child and with the wife and, and the, the golfing that you try to do, there's precious little other free time. What do you do outside of golf for relaxation? I'm a huge sports fan. So I, I we're do, back to Ohio football. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, you. How State Buckeyes, that's uh, fun to watch. That's, they're fun to watch. And, and also Eastern Kentucky Colonels. So, Go Colonels. Um, that's right. Go Colonels. Um, hey. But football, football, basketball, uh, really a collegiate sports fan. I don't watch, uh, you know, professional sports all that much. Um, well, that frees up a whole lot of Sunday time. So then. it does, yeah. yeah. So Sunday is family day around the, the Lincoln oh, Felder a, household. That's so. awesome. That's that, What a great thing to have is dedicated family time. Mm -hmm. I like that. And a two-and-a-half-year-old, you said, so you want to, yeah. yeah, they need a lot of focus. They need a lot of your energy. Yes. So it's, and that's fun too. That's, that's rewarding at that age. They're, they're uh, coming into their own, they're developing their personality and, and they're fun to watch. They're fun to be around at that age, I think. And it's, of course it's, you know, it goes from the miracle of birth to uh, every little milestone, every, you know, they learn to turn over, they learn to laugh, they learn, they start talking, they start walking, they start running uh, they start golfing yeah. and it just goes on from there all the way up. And I don't think it stops. You know, I've got a, uh, 18-year-old Andrew and my 30-year-old Justin, and and the both of them just continue to amaze me. So I don't know if it's going to stop. You know, from where you are now, you've got a long road to hoe. It's it's going to be a lot of fun for the rest of for the rest of your yeah. life, I'd say. So absolutely. So what questions did I forget or not ask? Favorite course that I've played? Yeah, yeah. Have you got okay. one? Well, I ha I would say I have a a, a top five, but I'll, I'd say my the favorite course that I've ever played would be Oakmont Country Club. It's just outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, they've had uh, a bunch of major championships and just a a great test of golf. And when I always say when you can kind of see a course on TV that you've played personally, kind of adds to that. Like, oh, I remember what what shot I hit there when you see, you know, Tiger Woods or, right. you know, Dustin Johnson hitting that, you know, hitting that shot. I can that do hole. that. So I can do that type thing. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that would probably be my, uh, my all time best course that I've played. Oakmont. 
Oakmont outside Pittsburgh, just outside Pittsburgh. Very nice. You mentioned that uh, some folks were down from from French Lick interviewing some students for some positions. What course did they represent? Yes, um, the uh, individuals there at French Lick Resort were representing actually both courses there. They have uh, the Donald Ross course, which has been around since uh, 1917, and then also the Pete Dye golf course, which is um, a little bit little bit not played quite as much as the uh, as the Donald Ross course um, it's had some some professional golf tours play there and the Pete Dye courses can play over 8100 yards believe it or not long course very long uh, I played that course and and that course is heads and shoulders I don't know has I've played some pretty nice courses but I, I remember the Pete Dye course as premium as one yes. of my very favorite courses so if you say top five I'm definitely putting Pete Dye course right in my top five so uh, Myrtle Beach, yeah. you, have you spent time around Myrtle Beach, golf mecca? Yes, um, it's it's been a while. My my family uh, growing up, we used to vacation in Myrtle Beach, so I'd, I would always bring the golf clubs. And ironically, my dad doesn't play golf, so it was just me. And I'd go out in the morning and have a day at the golf course and then meet my family by the pool and do, do our family things at night. So nice. um, I always love going to Myrtle Beach because I played pretty much a different course every day. Right. And, you know, you could – probably hit a golf ball and hit five or six different courses from where you're standing there. There's, uh, in there's a, at one point in time, there was a hundred golf courses in the stretch North and South that makes up the greater Myrtle beach area. I'm not sure what that number is now. Wow. Yeah. But there's a lot of golf to be had in that very concentrated area. So yeah, that's a, that's a lot of fun. What a great way to spend a summer is, is out on mm-hmm. the golf course. What a great way to get tired. Absolutely. <laughs> so anything else? Yeah. I think that's it. We'll put a wrap on it then. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Mike.